1: ministry, global, we're winning the world with the living word of a living and loving God. We are located in Holiday Inn Express, 6860 Crane Highway, in La Plata, Maryland,
0: 20646.
1: Uh, If you're in the area, please feel free to join us. We'd love to have you join us here at the Holiday Inn Express here in La Plata, Maryland, 20646. Uh, Good morning, and uh, happy Father's Day. This morning, we're just going to talk briefly from the subject, Faithful following. Uh, and our scripture will be coming from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to, or your smartphone or tablet, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I will be reading verses 1 through 4. My focal point will be on this one passage of this scripture, and that is chapter, verse 4. However, we want to make sure that we do this intentionally in order that we may have greater understanding
0: of God's
1: word. While you are turning there, I want to pray. Father, I thank you now for your loving kindness and your of mercy. I want to thank you for your presence here thank you, because I know that you're here I feel your presence, Lord. The atmosphere in this place is charged with your presence. Holy Spirit,
0: in the name of Jesus, take full
1: authority over this service.
0: And minister to us the word of God that we may grow in our knowledge and understanding of God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank
1: you, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are now in charge. We honor you. Use this, your holy, your temple, for the glory of God the Father, for the glory of Jesus Christ, the only begotten. God. Ephesians chapter 6,
0: verses 1-4. through four. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and we give thanks. Have your Bibles. Let's read.
1: Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Then in verse 4, and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Again, this morning, I want to talk on the subject of faithful following. But before we do that, let's list out, if you have your Bibles and your smart cabinet or whatever you may have, your Word about the Word of God, on, or your soul of the Spirit, let's just miss those, if you will, and make out that declaration of this morning. repeat after me, right there at home, here in the sanctuary, If I receive this word with my mind only, this word will be dead for me. But if I receive this word with the spirit over my mind, this word will be life for me. Lord, I don't need religious form and fashion. I need life. Now look at your neighbor or your family member and say, Neighbor, are you ready to get some light in here on this morning? Now give God a hand clap of praise in this place on this morning. Give God a hand clap of praise in this place on this morning. Today is Father's Day, a day to recognize and honor dads for their critical role in the family. When we think of fathers, of a father, we think of a household with a husband, wife, and children. Man was created first according to Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, part 8, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, 8, 15, 18, and 21-25, and first Timothy chapter 2 verse 13. And according to God's word, the father is the head of the house. Genesis three fifteen. Genesis just in case you may Close to that, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And we'll read that just briefly here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it reads The two kidneys, and oh, I'm in mean the wrong one. Let me get on there, Genesis. Wow, I'm reading a Genesis. Before I tell you, maybe I'll pull my glasses on. And he says, And I will put in between you and the woman, and between your seed and your, and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, verse 16, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So the husband is the head. This the first to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 3. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 3. Chapter 11, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 3. And it says, and it reads, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So, we as men have a very special place within the family. We are the head, but make no mistake. That we fail miserably as a father and as a husband, a man and a woman, man may be the head because he was made first, and God put him that that way, but man and woman are equal in the sight of God. And man and man does not have all the answers. Otherwise, God never would have created Eve from his, from his rib and put him and her together in holy matrimony. And, said, and then the man says, she shall be called woman, for she is born in my own and flesh of my flesh. So she is just as much a child of God and just as much capable of doing things as a man is, but this morning we want to talk about faithful fathering. One of the most rewarding assignments every man has received is that of being a dad. The reason I say assignment is because children are not people. We all would rather people on loan to us from God for the express purpose of overseeing their care until they reach adulthood. Your role as father may be the difference between your children growing up to be an asset to society or a burden on society, a positive leader of our nation or a carer to our nation. If taken seriously, being a dad is never simple or easy because children are little people with minds and will that will one day grow up to become adults. On their path to adulthood, they and you, fathers, face many unknowns. They and you and I, as fathers, face many unknowns. Now, according to the Bible, a father is a man. Man is masculine and refers only to the male gender. Man's body is not designed to conceive carry a baby to full term, and they give birth. God didn't make him that way. The role is restricted to the female gender as designed by God. I place instances on as God designed to be called, many they say they're trapped in the wrong body, and that God is the cause. God is perfect, and it is impossible for him to make decisions. So if a person is confused about their genders, the confusion rests solely upon them. God has nothing to do with that. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. In spite of the things that we do, and in spite of the places that we go, and in spite of the, the things that we say about Him or against Him. See, God is pure love. He is the He is the He is the well of a fountain, if you will, from which pure, true love flows. And so God is God is love because the Bible says God is love and because you and I have experienced his love each and every day. See, the love of God that is rain on the just and the unjust alike. He lets the sun shine on the just and the unjust alike. He provides food for the just and the unjust, just as he provides oxygen to sustain life for the just and the unjust, for the sinner and the saint. God loves us all. And there is no human being that God does not love. And therefore, there is no church of God where any person, regardless of what they do, should be kept out of. Every person should be willing to be able to come into the house of the Lord and, and experience his presence here. And experience his love here. So, whoever you are, no matter what your persuasion is, you are welcome in the house of God. Because I did not die for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, he's the one that went to the cross and died for you. He died for me as well, And so I have no right as a pastor or as a servant of Jesus Christ to deny you access to the house of God simply because of the lifestyle that you live. Listen, I had my lifestyle. It wasn't like your lifestyle, but I did things that I had no to doing. Yet God, over 2,000 years ago, had his son die on the cross for life So all of us are sinners. said there is no righteousness, no, not one. We have all, you know, we have all failed in that area. But you are loved. And what happened in Florida, Orlando, the city that I was born and raised in, I am appalled, and I am so sorry for every family member that has suffered this tragic loss. I know you have loved ones that you will not be able to hug and kiss and talk to anymore. You won't be able to hear their laughter anymore. You won't be able to hear their voice anymore. It is my prayer that you have a... videos, or I know that's not going to bring them back to give you comfort, but somehow I believe it will, just seeing their faces and their pictures that you've taken or hearing their voices on the videos that you made. So many things, and some of you may have their voices on your voicemail on your cell phone. You want to do everything you can to preserve it for as long as you can. Hold on to every memory that you have of your loved one and cherish those memories because they were real people, and they did not deserve to suffer and die the way they did. So please, accept our profound adonement, and know that we love you, and we love them, and we love everyone because Christ first loved us. The truly, if we could not love, it is because we do not know Christ. But it is because we know Christ that we could love. So, I read this concerning a father. A father is the man who sits at the head of the table and gets two lamb chops when you just get one. He is a nice. he is nice to be near when there's thunder and lightning or trouble. A father understands when you think you're too old to be kissed goodnight. He's the one who teaches you how to tie, how to tie, how to tie. How to tie who buys your first razor? who gives you permission to take a, take the car? who comforts mom when you're at home, when you are, when you are at home all time. Sometimes he helps you for sale You know, my wife used to tell the story about, we used to read stories, she would tell stories about how the, the teacher, how the child would go home with their math, or his math, and, and he'd come back and say his parents, Help with the math, and then the teacher grades the paper, and then all the math problems are wrong. And, and he said, "Huh?" The teacher doesn't fail my mama or my dad, but you know, you know, they Sometimes help get you out. Fail help you to fail out. A father spends most of his time reaching in his pocket for money to give someone a something. And his favorite words are, "Now, when I was your age, how many of you heard that?" So this morning, we're going to examine what it means to be a successful father, but this message is, is for mothers also. The immediate context, as I read in chapter 6, verses 1-4, through four, refers to both parents, but so successful parenting is attempting to raise our children in the fear of God. That is a three-step process. Number one is do not provoke your children. Number two, bring them up in the training of the Lord. And then number three, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Now let's take a look at each of these three, uh, these uh, steps in the process. The three-step process. Number one, do not provoke your children. First, forces and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. The Greek word, paro ego, speaks of intentionally making your child angry. By some act or thing. This instruction, which assumes the fact of parental authority, tells fathers that is parents to not to use that authority to abuse or put down their children. Parents abuse their authority by making irritating and unreasonable demands on their children, or by making no allowance for the inexperience or immaturity of children, and I think when I think about some of the things that I've witnessed parents doing to children, like little children about two years old, and, and mother saying, "Girl, come on here," just see that she, she doesn't realize that her, she's a grown up and her thighs are longer than the child, and the child is doing everything she could to keep up with the mother, and then the mother begins to give expletives and say, come on, blankety, great "Like Now, that's not a good example of what we're talking about when it comes to raising children. We have to understand that while we may know how to do something because of our age and our experience with doing those things, we cannot expect our children to do the same things that we do. And the way that we do them without first being taught how to do this. So we have too much of an expectation for them that is beyond their age and their experience. So we have to be careful how we uh, do things and how we raise our children, how we talk to them as fathers. Paul says in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-one, he says and admonishing fathers, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, a number of families were surveyed, and it was found that for every positive statement made in homes, there were ten negative ones. Wow. When, When we men have an uncanny knack for being critical, we need to learn to see the positive in our children and to frequently praise their strength rather than constantly complaining about their weakness. You don't want your child or children to grow up resisting you or feeling like something is terribly wrong with them. You are so vital to your child's mental picture of themselves, their confidence, their assurance, who they are, As a father, you are so vitally, vitally important to helping them to realize who they are. The second step, step, the second of our three-step process, is bringing them up in the training of the Lord, verse 4b. But bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. To bring them up is the notion of nurturing and nourishing your children. This training you give your child does not lead him when he grows up. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up your child. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so this is Father's prayer. Fathers also Father pray daily for their children. You should pray the scriptures of God when you're praying for your children. Father, please be that man unto their feet and that life unto their path. Father, I acknowledge you in all my ways, and I acknowledge you in all the ways of my children. Please direct their path. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that your full of protection will be upon them, that you will be with them wherever they go. Cover them, Lord God, as a mother hen covers her chicks. Pray for your children. The word of God. Pray the word of God over their lives. God, I was once young, now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor received a Please watch over my children. Please, Lord God, let them not be ever in a position where they need and they cannot have. Let them remember the prodigal son's father and the reaction of the father when he saw his should his son fall off. When the father saw him, he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him on his neck and rejoiced and said, cried out and said, bring him a little robe and bring him shoes for his feet and bring him a ring to put on his fingers and kill the fatted calf. Because our son, my son, which was dead, is now alive. He wanted to celebrate his childhood. He prayed for his son. And when he watched daily for his child, not knowing whether his son was alive or dead, he kept praying for him. He kept looking for him with an expectation. And that's what we must do, Father. We must pray for our children. We must cover them in prayer, day and night. Don't leave them to the vices of the devil, because the devil doesn't... He does not pray for them, but he prays on them. Not P R A Y, but P R E Y. Your children are praying to the devil. But you are your sons and your daughters' stronghold, strong power. You are their real god. Because you pray for them and not activate God in their lives and cover them and watch over them. You must pray. You have to pray for them because you can't be with them 24 7. 365 or 366, a elite year. You must pray for them. That's how you are with your child, 24-7. Dr. Charles Parker, the distinguished preacher and reformer of New York, in an address in which he dealt with his early religious life, related how he had often heard his father pray in the church, at the family altar, and at the family table. But it was only when he heard him pray aloud on his knees in the barn that he knew the reality of prayer and the deep reality of the religious life. We must learn, Father, to pray for our children, get on your knees, cry out to God when you don't understand, when that child is unruly. I remember in my own life. I was in our family room one night. Nobody else was around. And I began, my children are growing up now. and they're, they're teenagers and getting ready to see. And I was going to step, I am standing in there, in there. And I began to weep because I, 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 I had this overwhelming realization that my child, where my children are grown, they don't have to listen to me anymore. And God says, pray for them and continue to tell them whether they want to hear it or not. Tell them the truth. And that's what we must do, Father. We must cry out to God for our children. Because we are human, we can't control them. It is not our job to control them. It is our responsibility to raise them up and the fear and aggression of the Lord. They have to make the decisions for themselves, but we can have an influence on that by being there for them, willing to listen to them, willing to instruct them and guide them. I'll this them our 2 this words, if you will. We must pray for our children. Not only in bringing them up in the training of the Lord must we pray for our children, but we must also be a role model for our children. We must be a role model for our children. Father's often so values are more cost than they are cost. Don't cut. Don't fight, don't steal, don't steal. Don't be jealous of this person or that person because of what they have. Values are better caught than taught. While children may not be good at listening to their parents in other words, they never fail to imitate them. Don't get this. Along this line, Paul has a number of pointed questions. He says, you, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? See, you can't teach your child something and it not teach you something. Because if it doesn't teach you something, there's something wrong with it. Because then you think maybe you're above that. No, 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 no. Every time you teach your child something, you learn something. My wife and I had this distinct this, this, this pleasure of talking with our oldest son one night he called and he was talking about processes, and he wanted to, He said, "Well, you know, I don't understand this. And I don't understand that. So I want to do this, and I want to do that. But processes are important, even in the kingdom of God. Processes are important, even in our. And I'm not getting into the details, but even in our lives, processes are important. They help guide us along the way. Help us to." help guide us into the things that we need to do. Processes help us avoid certain pitfalls. Processes help us to be accountable to one another. Processes are important. Every process is important. Before I retired, I implemented I to look at the I was the commanding officer of command and prior to that I was a uh, I was uh, the administrative director. I was just uh, the uh, I was the department head for the administration department within the within the Navy Marine Corps review activity. And we looked at our processes and how what we were doing and how we were doing those processes. And so we took and I took and we wrote down every step in every part, in every part of the process. And then we took and we filled the room by painting everything that we had typed up around the room. And then we had we had all all levels of will look, will authority come in and look at each process, that, each step in the process, and then we begin to ask questions. There's a lesson in this there's a message in it, there's no business. And we begin to ask questions, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Is it necessary to do that? How about doing this instead of that? And by the time we finish, we can cut down the process because what reason we did that is because it was taking us a, a month or two months or so uh, three months, really, to the process uh, through and get it to the appropriate places once it comes into the mail. And so, by the time we finished the process, we were able to cut down all that time that we had been wasting to just one day. So we get it in that day, and we processed those cases that day, and we got them to the Court of Criminal Appeals the same day. They documented those cases the same day, and so we began to clear up that law and all of that stuff. But listen, the, the lesson is this. Within the process, you can't just change the process, you have to bring in everybody that is, that's affected by the process and then whittle down the process, seriously evaluate it, whittle it down, and then remove the unnecessary steps, and then leave what is necessary to improve your process you cannot just willy-nilly dismiss this, that, or the other because you don't know the whole process, and you need to look at the entire process. So I want you to understand that. Everything in life is a process. You wanted to, want to drive a car, but the first thing you needed to do was to go through the driver's head. And then you needed to learn different things. And then driver's end, you needed to learn the rules of the road. And then you needed to know about cars and how, or what to do to brake and the front on the steering wheel and putting it in gear. And all of those different things and then you had to get behind the car, behind the wheel of the car, but you couldn't do it by yourself. You had to first get a learner a bit, and then you needed an adult to sit there with you beside you as you and teach you how to operate a vehicle. So there's a process before you get your Out. you're getting your wife upside the head, you're telling your wife she's worthless, she's good for nothing, you're taking the food that she's worked so hard to prepare for you and throwing it back in her face, telling her calling a slob. Listen, that's not modeling, that's not being a good model for your son or for your daughter. What, what kind of man will your daughter gravitate you? What kind of wife will your son, your husband will your son speak to his wife? on a good front for her before he marries her. But then after he marries her, he starts to beat her down or rate her and make her seem like she's nothing in work. That's not what a good role model does. A child a model, a child follows with a child with a father model, with a mother model. Do you open the door for your wife? Do you cherish your wife? Do you love your wife? Do you respect your wife? Do you honor her? With than just your words. Do your children see you playing with your wife? Do your children see you kissing your wife? Do, you, do, your, do your children see you beating her down, putting her down? You have to model what your children will one day model. You have to be the example. You can't come home drunk. You can't come home high on cocaine and rock cocaine and heroin and 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 marijuana, and and all the other illicit drugs out there, as THC, whatever it is, you can't do that. You have to be a positive, godly model for your children. Here's the third thing, time. Our children need our presence more than they need our gifts. The results of studies by Cornell University revealed that on an average Fathers spend about 37 seconds a day with their small children. That is unacceptable. You spend more time than that watching a football game or a baseball game or a golf game. You spend more time talking about what what somebody that has no idea that you exist is doing, and, and rather instead of spending quality time with their children, fathers must spend quality time with their children. Remember, your children are going to grow up and become adults. They, we want our children to grow up and become responsible citizens of our society. Who know right from wrong? Who has a sense of what is more A sense of what moral values mean. Not only must we give them, not only must we pray for them, not only must we be a role model for them. And not only must we give them time, but we must discipline them. This speaks of the upbringing and handling of a child which is born up to maturity and which therefore needs direction, teaching, instruction, and a certain measure of compulsion, if you will, in the form of discipline and discipline is punishment or even chastisement. Chastisement is correction intended to produce righteousness. So we don't, all, we don't beat our children down. We don't strike them when we're angry. We don't cuss them out. We don't call them stupid and dumb and ignorant. That's not discipline. That's put down. That's demeaning. That's making them, that's making them feel worthless, good for nothing. And that makes them wonder, why do they live? What's the purpose of life Is that all I am? You shake your children's mind by what you expose them, what they see you doing. As fathers, we must be always careful of that. Always. We must always be in the teaching mode when it comes to our children. Proverbs says this. It, well, it isn't just Now, let me just before. Discipline is not just corporal punishment. You don't always have to. You, you know, the, the Proverbs says, who he, who, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves his son loves him, So you must correct whatever the wrong is, and you must do it very quickly. But wrong does not necessarily mean beating a child out. Sometimes it simply means sitting the child down and explaining to the child what they did was wrong and why it was wrong. And encourage them not to do it anymore. Encourage them that that they are better than that. Now, third and final The third and final of our three-step process is this. Bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. A consistent life is not enough. You go home and you go to work and you get home and you do this and you do that. And you go, that's not enough. That consistency is good, but it's not enough. We must provide verbal instruction and physical teaching for our children. The praise of the Lord indicates that the parents give the instruction but, the, but, it pro, but it proceeds from the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. The man's father, to teach their children and are one. Love God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's verses 4 and 5. And he says, fathers are also to teach their children to love their neighbors as themselves. Now if you don't if you don't if you don't if you don't teach your children love by showing them love, then they will not know how to love someone else. That is the second uh, a commandment, if you will, that is a carry-on if you will, to the second one. God says this, how can you love me whom you have not seen and hate your brother, who you have seen. You can't do it. See, if you love God, then you instinctively have to love your neighbor. If you don't love God, then you can't love your neighbor, because you don't know what the meaning of love is. Love is not murder. Love is not killing a woman or killing a man saying, I love you, so I'm killing you. I love you, so I'm doing this to you. No, 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 that's not love. That's twisted. True love has a deep, profound, emotional, if you will, sense of, of, of love or, or, or powerful force of caring, if you will, for a person. Not only does Deuteronomy six, four, three, seven command fathers to teach their children to, to love God, but it also commands fathers to teach them the word of God. Fathers are to teach God's word in their children diligently, to their children diligently. And that's where diligently means, with steady application and care, to teach and impress by frequently, by frequent rather, admonition and repetition. So, you can't teach it just once. I, mean, I, and I wish I had a dime, but every time I had to repeat myself to our children. And my wife and probably had and she and I told them, we both would be both out of line. be rich people. We wouldn't have to work. We wouldn't have to. We would have to worry about you know how to say our feel or anything else. We'd be rich. But but I have to say the same about my mother. She and I was a I, mean, I was a terrible one more. I was active all the time. I was into everything and anything I could get my hands into. But that when she had her hands full with me. Not to mention the other my other six brothers and sisters. So you can't just teach it once. It must be repeated over and over again. As I stated earlier, teaching isn't just words, it is also modeling. If you don't model God's word by applying it daily to your life, how will your child see Jesus come alive in you? And how will they want Jesus to come alive in them if you don't model the word of God? The third thing is that you must, as a father, you must incorporate the word of God in every area of your life. He says, and you shall talk of them, the word of God, when you sit down, when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You must be constantly teaching and modeling God's word." The suggestion is that the Lord nurtures his child through the father and the mother. As father, you must recognize that God has given you the responsibility to provide for your children in a physical and emotional and a spiritual sense. Teach them the Bible verses. Each day, teach them a different Bible verse. For each week, have them study and learn one Bible verse. And then so so now we have examined. I'm going to conclude here. We have examined the speech of three-step process of do not provoke your children, bring them up in training of the Lord, and bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Malachi two fifteen reads, but he did not make them one having a reign a witness of of the spirit, and why one? I'm sorry, and he did and. Did he not, make them one having a remnant of the spirit? And why and why one? He seeks God the offspring, that's why. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with your wife, the wife of your youth. So even in that husband, Father, you have a responsibility to protect your wife. You have a responsibility to protect your children. You have a responsibility to raise. Your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And you must teach your wife and your sons and your daughters the Word of God. You must live that Word daily as a man. When God, let me put it to you, when God created the man, Adam, and the woman, Eve, the first two humans in marriage, He told them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God has carefully designed the family, my brothers and sisters. So he has carefully designed a family unit uh, so children would be raised between two parents who would act as opposites. That is masculine and feminine poles. You know, opposites attract. Like detract. That's just for the nature. I mean you take two magnets with the same with the same with two positive sides of a magnet and try to connect them, they prepare on one another. If you take a positive and a negative negative, you Put them together, they attract one another. Man and male and female, man and woman are needed. Man and woman are needed to raise a child, the way God has designed a child to be raised. The child will then be in the middle of the of the marriage, receiving equal influence from both parents. So don't make, don't think that it is just the father who is responsible for raising the children. Proverbs, that King Solomon tells his son in, in, uh, in Proverbs, in, in the book of Proverbs, that you are the honor what your mother tells you. In other words, do what your mama tells you to do. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a proud, what is it, uh, a, a, a wise son made a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaven of his mother. You just don't understand father, how important your role is, and I hope that today you understand how important your role is. You may say, well, you have to go I didn't already know. That may be true. But my question to you is are you doing those things? Are you doing that? Or are you a secular father who likes your beer and your wine and your booze and you come back and you sit home and you call call your wife all kinds of things? Or are you the Christian husband who comes home but yet you disrespect your wife and you do all those things? You know, having being a Christian in name only is insufficient. You need to be living the Word of God. You need to be modeling the Word of God. That's how your children learn to be responsible citizens. And you will always, let me put this in there, when your children grow up and have children, how they raise their children and how their children turn out will tell on how well of a parent you really were. So, take this parenting thing seriously, Father. You we, we honor you, this day. We are grateful to God for you. And we love you, Father. But please understand, there is more to being a father than just saying you have children. You've got to invest time and energy, not only money, but time and energy and teaching in your child's life or your children's life. Teach them the word of God. Pray for them. Do those things that are necessary. Model the word of God. Uh, And love God with all your heart. All your mind, all your strength, all your soul. And let them know that. Let them see that. Don't put on a show for them. Be genuine. Well, after hearing this message, there may be one of you without the Lord Jesus Christ. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. Than a man, than a woman, than a boy, than a girl. The question is if God were to call you right now, can you honestly say that you're ready to go and be with the Lord? If not, if I were you, I'd make that decision today.
0: Some of you are sitting there right now. You've heard the word over and over again most of your life. Some of you grew up in church. You know God. You've you heard the word of God
1: preached over and over again. You know the word better than I do. You can repeat it better than I do, a lot clearer than I do. But the question is, is that word in your heart? And is that word in your heart uh, so deeply that you love God enough to worship him? Do you get up and take your children to church? on Sunday morning? Or do you just stay home and stay in the bed? You say, well, I don't have to go to church. No, 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 no. Hebrews 10, 25 instructs us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of thumb is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approach. So we cannot forsake going to church. It is a requirement that we spend time in the house of God listening to the word of God being ministered. Don't ever think that term is unimportant, because God says it, it is It is important. Everyone must go. You, don't, you may not want to, but God says you must. It is important. Because we shouldn't empower and encourage one another when we go to church. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of this ministry, Jesus Christ ministry school, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home on my way to my heavenly home. We welcome you. Thirdly, if you are backslash, You want that joy restored in your life. You had a relationship with God but somehow you turn and walk away from him. God says he's married to the backslash. So no matter who you are, if you just walked away from him, turn and walk back to him because he says he's married to you. In other words, he, just, he he still loves you, he still wants you. He knows that you've gone out and you've done all these things. But God is not like people. He can see you back gladly when you are seriously and sincere about your about your, your accepting of your sins and your wrongdoing and you want to be back in right relationship with him. <laughs> Fourthly, if you're looking for the fullness of his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God says the day that you hear his voice hard and out your heart. I believe that God can give you that right where you are seated right now in your heart. And finally, if you're in need of prayer, God answers prayer. We've already talked about that in the message. Your prayer is vitally, vitally important. And let me just say this, Father. Being a Christian doesn't make you weak, doesn't make you any less of a man. In fact, if anything, it makes you more of a man than less of a man. It helps you to realize what manhood really is all about. It is not about how many people you can beat down with your fist or you can kick around or you can can shoot or you can stab or you can kill or you can put fear into. That's not what manhood is about. There's more to manhood than that. Yes, you have to be able to defend your family. You should want to defend your family. I understand that. But that does not mean that you go out and terrorize other people. So if you're away from your church home, you need someone to watch over your soul while you're here. So please, come, join this ministry under our YCAP program so we can pray for you and teach you the Word of God. And when you have completed your assignment here, you can return home to your home church and, and help you seek your to fulfill the mission that God has called him on earth to. In any of these areas, we welcome you. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of your sins, please repeat this prayer. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord God. I know that I am a sinner, and I cannot save myself. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, into the world to die for my sins. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. I promise you, from this point forward, as you give me strength, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. And those of you who are backfires, who once had a relationship with God and somehow put out of fellowship with him, he's ready now to receive you back. So if you have to me dear God, I have turned my back on you, and I have sinned against you. Please forgive me for the sins I've committed. And receive me back into your presence. I promise you from this point forward that I will seek to serve you in every area of my life as you give me strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Now if you pray these prayers, please send us a message. My wife will give you the information here in just a moment. Our staff will give you the information in just a moment. Please send us and don't let him know that you've given your life to Christ. And if you and if this message has touched you in any way, please let us know that as well.
0: Receive our executive pastor this night. Happy Father's Day to all the so followers. We are it's here each Sunday at Holiday Manslay, which is located at 6860 Crane and the ground. At this point, you see the one that is worth it. We are called from the place to share the follow us on Twitter at JTM Global One, the number one. Once again, to follow us on Twitter. At ATM Global, Global Express, the and the number one. You can also be found on the web at Global One. This time, you have to write out the number one. JPG Global Online.org. I'm telling you and you will love the difference. It is post office so box, it has 50-80 Indian head round, 2064 pillar. Once again, i government does that and it's always on your set, which is at the o'clock, and you can type in, my o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Once again, and o'clock. I'm in. She's we also follow us on scholarship.com. and people are our good they role one. number one, one. We are changing communities, unity sense. We are one of the greatest emergency things that we can get we can God bless you. Amen. We thank God for our, service, our pastor and our service
1: and our information concerning the ministry. We thank you, each of you, for joining us on today. We pray that uh, your Father's Day will be a day to remember, full of joy, and do pray for the families of those who were slain in Orlando, Florida on last Sunday. Please pray for them, their families, and those are difficult for them. And then pray for the family of a little boy who lost his life in, uh, at Disney World when he, when he was uh, snatched by an alligator. His father was away to free him from that, that alligator's grass. But so thank God they recovered the little boy. And praise for our nation as a whole, because there's so much going on, so much hatred and so much bitterness, but there is so much beauty and so much love and so much to do in our nation, and we want our nation to be a nation of, of, of unity, of oneness. We want our nation to be a nation of true freedom and, and peace. So pray for our nation, and pray for your family members. Pray for each one of us as well, because we we'll are all stand in need of your prayers. May the Lord keep you on this weekend, and guide you across the roadway safely. If you're traveling on your way back home, may he keep you as you travel home. May your vehicles function properly. May your finances never cease to be sufficient to meet every one of your needs. And may we always uh, be blessed with the privilege
0: of your presence. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them.